0: Can Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry each get 1,000 yards receiving, and what happens if the Browns don't bring 90 players to training camp? We're going to talk about that and a few other things today on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Scott Patsko. I'm here with Mary Kay Cabot. How are you doing, Mary Kay?
1: I'm doing great, Scott. How are you doing?
0: Good, good. We heard from Chad O'Shea, uh, the pass game coordinator slash wide receiver coach, today, um, Wednesday, I know, a lot of people are going to be listening to this starting Thursday, but Wednesday we heard from him and he covered a, a wide range of things. Um, got a lot of questions about uh, OBJ and, and Landry and just what it's been like to go through this virtual offseason. Um, let's start with maybe some takeaways from that. Like, what, what sticks out to you about the things he talked about?
1: Well, you know, he made no promises that he's going to try to get the ball early and often to Odell and Jarvis. He basically said, uh, these guys are going to be happy because they are going to embrace the team concept. We're going to put winning first. That is the goal. That's going to come from above, from Kevin Stefanski. And these guys are going to fall in line, and they're going to be happy about it.
0: Yeah, I thought thought it was interesting how he he mentioned how critical it was to get everything right, the teaching and the learning right now, because of the fact that you know, they can't be together, especially for the rookies. You know, you got a question about Donovan Peoples-Jones and, and the fact that, you know, it takes a year or two for a receiver, in most cases, to kind of get his feet under him and, and really excel in the NFL. And, you know, that kind of goes for everybody this year. It's, it's a new coaching staff coming in. They, they have to get it right so that they're hitting the ground running, you know, when they hit training camp, which I, I, would, I would guess from everything that people are, people are telling us at this point, it sounds like they're doing all the right things.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, It will be interesting now with so many different things going on to see if training camp actually starts on time, Uh, but they are all working really, really hard, and that is obviously all these guys can ask from the players right now. I asked him, is there any way to assimilate uh, the, the timing and the rhythm of this offense from a virtual standpoint? And I get, I kind of meant, you know, from almost from like a Madden type of way, you know, yeah. from a video game kind of way. Uh, I thought maybe there might be some kind of technology where you could, uh, you know, see if, if you are, we're getting the timing down or running the right route and getting the ball out on time when, um, you know, when, when Odell is running that, you know, that route. But, um, but basically he just said, everyone really just needs to know the offense as well as they can inside and out so that they are ready to take it to the field. But I bet you, as they go forward down the road, if they have to do more virtual offseason programs, that there will be more of a Madden-like feel to it, and that they will play uh, some some video game football uh, to get where they need to be.
0: I guess a positive, if you're a Browns fan, you could take away from this, <clears throat> this situation is that uh, people have talked about Odell being engaged and being part of, of, of this offseason. <clears throat> Obviously, he wasn't during OTAs last year. So now you have somebody who's been part of the meetings who who's going into camp with an understanding of, of what needs to happen. You know, we, we went through last year and that was obviously a huge storyline. Now it just seems, you know, it's obvious it's easy to sit at home and, you know, be part of a zoom call for however long and, and kind of be engaged that way. And um, I, I think it seems like they're in a better place going into training camp, even though they haven't been on the field, everybody, you know, at least to our knowledge, has been part of this going forward and and, and has been involved, you know?
1: Well, you know, I, I think everyone is happy right now with the way things are going. Everyone is buying into Kevin Stefanski's system. Everyone has seen some of the films. They've all sat down with the coach uh, to see exactly how they will fit into this offense. And on paper and on film, when you're looking at the Vikings, it looks pretty good. But then, you know, you do have to uh, consider that even a Stefan Diggs was not happy last year okay he wasn't happy to the point where he's no longer in Minnesota and I do think that it might be somewhat of a challenge to try to keep everyone happy in this scheme there's going to be so much emphasis on the run you've got to get those tight ends involved Uh, you know there's going to be all the play action and I think that if it all goes well and they're you know and they're on the field for enough plays then you might be able to spread the ball around enough and and you know get down the field and keep everybody happy, but that might also be a little challenging. And we know what Jarvis and Odell are like when they don't feel like they're contributing enough to a winning effort. Now if they're winning, nobody can say anything, even though they might want to say something uh, because the truth of the matter is when you have star players, they have certain personal goals in addition to the team goals. And these guys, you know, they want to make the Pro Bowl. They want to go to the Hall of Fame someday. And in order to get to the Hall of Fame, you know, that's a pretty lofty goal. Odell also, you know, wants to uh, break Jerry Rice's all-time receiving yardage record. In order to do those things, you have to have some major production during the course of a season. So even if they're winning games and these guys, uh, you know, aren't getting the ball enough, they're not getting enough yards, they're not getting enough touchdowns, it's going to be a little hard for them. To, to just be 100% happy with that. Uh, they're receivers. You know, receivers have that little bit of a uh, diva nature at times. And uh, what they want is winning. They want to go to the Super Bowl. And they also want to be the superstars that they are.
0: Yeah, you asked O'Shea about that. And we got the, the answer that I'm pretty sure we've heard from other people. Well, that's a good problem to have, you know, when you have two really good receivers, two good running backs, two good tight ends. And, and you have to get the ball to all these different people it's a good problem to have. Yeah. Until, until someone becomes disgruntled, you know, and, and isn't really happy with their role. Like you said, Um, I I, I look back, you know, the other day we talked about, uh, can Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you know, each get a thousand yards. And uh, we mentioned how only three teams last year ran the ball more than they threw it. The Ravens, Niners, and the Vikings. Uh, Well, we can kind of look at that again and ask, can, you know, Beckham, and Landry each get 1,000 yards receiving. Um, only one person on those three teams got over 1,000 yards individually as a receiver, and that was Diggs uh, with the Vikings last year. And they had some, uh, some injury issues on, on the other side across from him. Uh, but, but he did get 1,000 yards. The Ravens and 49ers were led in receiving by tight end. Uh, the Ravens had their top two receivers combined for about 900 yards. The 49ers' top two receivers combined for about 1,300. Um, but, but nobody at a receiver position got over 1,000 yards. So I'm wondering – I think we've talked about – I know we've done an over-under before on, on the receivers, and I think we probably had a consensus that OBJ would probably get over 1,000 yards. But I, I don't know. Now that I've looked more into it, I don't know if I, – I don't think that both of them will get over 1,000 yards. I would be surprised. Do you think that that's – I mean, is that possible? That both Landry and Beckham get over a thousand.
1: Well, as we've been talking about, there's a lot of one thousand yard question marks to go around because we're talking about can Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb each rush for a thousand yards? Can Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. each receive for a thousand yards? Uh, you know that that's a lot of milestones to reach all in one season. I don't think all four of those things are going to happen. It's going to have to give somewhere along the line. And what we don't know for sure is how Kevin Stefanski will approach the run versus the pass when he is out from, away from Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer is a very, very run-oriented coach. Uh, Will Kevin Stefanski, you know, favor the pass a little bit more than that? Will there be a little bit more of a balance? Will he uh, kind of understand going into it that, uh, you know how they always say happy wife, happy life? Well, uh, in, in regards to the Browns, you know, happy Jarvis and Odell, happy football team, you know, I mean, there, you know, there is something to be said for keeping your very vocal superstars engaged and happy and into it. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it's, a, it's a fact. You know, you can, you can say team concept all you want, and I know they'll try to do that. But, uh, you know, there's also the corollary to that, and that is when you have superstars on your football team, they want to be what they are. You know, they yeah. want to be the best in the NFL, and they're going to have to try to juggle and weigh all of that.
0: I think, you know, Beckham had 75, about 75 catches, 1,100 yards, four TDs last year. If he has that in 2020 and they win 10, 11 games, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he'll, he'll be happy, but I think the question becomes, all right, does he at the end of the season think I'd rather go somewhere where I'm a bigger part, maybe I'm a bigger part of, of, of the success than I am here? Um, and also, if the Browns go through this season and Landry and Beckham are, you know, at uh, 20 or so catches below what they would normally get, but the Browns are winning, then the Browns have to look at this and think, okay, are we going to keep paying our receivers? Uh, we have a duo that's one of the top paid duos in the in the league. Do we want to put that much money into our receivers when we're not using them as much as maybe their cost would indicate? So. That, that's, I mean, it kind of works both ways. Do the Browns even want to have superstars at receiver if their tight ends are the superstars or their, their running backs are really the superstars in the offense?
1: I think in a perfect world, uh, what they're trying to do is stack the team with a lot of really amazing football players. I think you can see that that's what they're trying to do. The, the more excellent players that you have, the better chance you have to win. So I think in a perfect world, they would like Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry to be cornerstones of this offense for the next three or four years, during which time I think they're hoping to get to the Super Bowl at least once and win it. Uh, And so therefore, you know, I think they want it to work out. I think that's why they're still here now. I mean, if you're going to make a move and you were going to just, you know, start all over at the position, you might have thought about doing it heading into this year when you have a new coach. And those sorts of things. But I think that they look at them as two of the best in the NFL at their position, and they are. And I think that they want them to succeed and stick around for the long haul. All
0: right, let's switch gears here a little bit. I saw a report uh, today from Pro Football Talk. It said, per, source, per league source, some teams are considering taking uh, 80 or 75 players to camp instead of the, the normal 90. In order to make it easier to comply with all the physical distancing guidelines uh, and other requirements that the NFL uh, has asked to you know, stop the spread of coronavirus. And, you know, they're talking about things uh, including spacing out, you know, distance between lockers and, uh, and, and, you know, cafeteria and walkways and all these different ways to kind of keep people uh, spaced out in, 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 you know, like being in, in the, uh, around a team during camp. And when we're allowed into the locker room, it's, it's a crowded place. And there's only a couple players uh, on the team that actually have an open locker next to them. It's pretty rare. So um, if the Browns had to, to cut some players out of the picture, where do they trim that fat? You know, you're talking uh, 10 to 15 players. Um, you know, where would you start looking to, to say, all right, we're not going to take this many at this position or that position into camp?
1: Well, I mean, you always know who those bubble players are. I mean, there is that last 10 players that you're pretty sure are not going to make the team. Now, some of those, some players end up back on the practice squad and things like that. But there are usually 10 to 12 players that you're pretty sure are more so camp players or guys that will be developmental players that maybe you want to take a look at for down the road or things like that. So The teams that are going to do that, they kind of have an idea of who those guys are. And if the Browns had to do it tomorrow, they could pretty easily lop off that last 10 players. So I don't think it's a huge issue. I actually think it's a pretty good idea, not for the last 10 players all over the NFL, uh, that this is going to happen to obviously, but I actually think it probably is a pretty smart idea for the Browns in order to just try to manage these numbers. Now we don't go in the locker room during training camp. Uh, right. You know, we just talk to guys outside. Uh, so from a, from an interview standpoint, although that's all going to be completely different for us and for everyone. Uh, but us being in the locker room with 90 guys that that's, that never really happens anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't get in there until it gets down to 53 and it can still get pretty crowded in there. Yeah. Uh, and again, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there are going to be uh, provisions made for how we're getting all that interviewing done this year. I don't even want to think about that at this point. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's kind of a smart idea to uh, to try to pare it down a little bit and, and keep things a little bit more manageable.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Browns have 12 receivers on the roster right now, which just seems like a lot considering what we know about Kevin Stefanski's offense. Even Chad Chate got a question today about, you know, third receivers and the fact that uh, the offense that they want to run uses three receivers at once very uh, few times. So I think some of those positions might be good. You know, someone like Princeton quarterback, I think he was from Princeton, uh, Kevin Davidson, undrafted free agent, you know, who's fourth, obviously, on this roster. Maybe he only you know, – someone like that is left out. Somebody who is – You know, who's who's there to to try and win a a spot on that practice squad, you know, is maybe left out of the picture.
1: Yeah, that's the hard part, though, because you want to keep those practice squad guys around. Those guys can can become some of your players of the future. So I don't necessarily know that you want. I mean, if you see a really promising young player uh, that's going to land on your practice squad, I think you're going to keep that guy over maybe – a you know whatever uh you know one of the last linebackers that you're pretty sure isn't going to make the team or maybe somebody that's a veteran uh it it can be a little tricky but um you know but I think it can be done I don't know if the Browns will be one of the teams that do it uh but I you know and you know maybe a more veteran team a more established team would be the one would say look we know who our 53 guys are pretty much going to be uh and, and this is easy for us to figure this out.
0: Okay, well, I'm sure Hard Knocks is hoping that whichever team, I don't even know if it's been announced which team is on Hard Knocks, but I'm sure they're hoping it's not that team because they, they live for those, you know, those end of the roster guys. And plus, you only bring 75 guys, You don't maybe you don't get a story like Damon uh, Sheehy Giuseppe last year, which was you know had a great moment with his uh, with his punt return touchdown in, in uh, one of the preseason games. That's, that's the kind of moment maybe you miss out on, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, there's only going to be two preseason games, so we're going to miss out on some of those stories anyway, right?
0: <laughs> Nothing is the same. Right. All right uh, we're going to take a break for a moment here and let you know a little bit more about Football Insider and how you can get involved in that, and we'll be right back. Hey, it's Scott again. I wanted to tell you about Football Insider. It's a way for you to get text messages every day from Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Labby, and myself ...with the inside scoop and analysis on the Browns. You get to hear what we're hearing, and you get breaking news before it even goes up on cleveland.com. Part of the deal is our Football Insider newsletter, which comes out every morning. It's sent via text to all the subscribers, and it includes a piece of content that you're not going to find on cleveland.com. It could be our take on something. It could be a video or a stat breakdown... But it's something that doesn't go on the website. It's only there for you. You can also text us directly. It's a great way to kind of cut through the social media cloud and and avoid the trolls and get your questions directly to us. And it's the only way to get your questions on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. So that alone should probably make you want to sign up. You can get a 14-day free trial. You can cancel anytime. All it takes is one text to get started. But you won't want to cancel. We've already had hundreds of subscribers join us over the last year. And they all seem to love it. And they've stayed with us. It's only $3.99 a month, which is less than $0.14 cents a day. And you can take part in special events that we have. We've had Zoom calls uh, around the draft. We've also broke down Baker Mayfield recently via Zoom call with a lot of our subscribers. So how do you join? It's pretty simple. You can go to cleveland.com slash browns and click on the box along the right side of the page. Or better yet, you can just text 216-208-3965 to get going. Again, that's 216 208 three nine six five to become a football insider all right we're back and let's talk about rankings summer is the time for rankings in our business I think every website you go to someone's got some sort of rankings I'm ranking the top Browns players to wear every uh, jersey number in the entire history of the franchise Um, that's how you get someone like Travis Prentice considered one of the best ever in Browns history he won the 41 jersey that's how low the bar was set there Um, But you check that out on the website. If you got a minute, we've gone through, gosh, I don't know, we're up into the 70s almost now. So we're almost to the end. But I'm not the only one doing rankings. Uh, ESPN came out uh, with an all decade team for the AFC North recently. And there were some Browns on it. Two to be exact. And I'm wondering, Mary Kay, if you can figure out who those two players are.
1: Well, Joe Thomas. Yes. would be the first one, for sure. He's the easy one. Um, hmm. The next one, I, I forget, like, who played in which decade. Um, would you consider Joe Hayden to be a a Brown through this decade?
0: Joe Hayden uh, is listed as a Brown and as a Steeler, because they go back to 2010. So, um, so Well, actually, is- don't go back to 2010, but... Um, he, they're looking at 2010 to 2016 with the Browns, and then 2017 to present with the Steelers.
1: So, I mean, I would have put him on the list as, as a Browns player making the all-decade all, all decade AFC North team. Um,
0: but those so, are the dude. only two. I mean, do they – Who is there another Brown player they could have put? Because I couldn't – I don't think anybody else was worthy.
1: Uh, well, and, and then it goes – I mean, you could consider Jarvis probably, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, they had Antonio Brown and A.J. Green as the receivers. Yeah. I thought maybe Mitchell Schwartz and Alex Mack possibly. But then, uh, you know, you got uh, David DeCastro, Marshall Yanda, uh, Marquise Pouncey there. So it's really, I mean, lots of Ravens and Steelers on this list. John Harbaugh is the coach. Um, Marshall Yanda is actually the player of the decade. Um, for, for the AFC North, which I thought was odd over Joe Thomas, but but that's that's what they went with. I don't know.
1: Interesting. Well, you know, again, as we just mentioned, uh, there are now a lot of sort of star players on, on the Cleveland Browns. And I think, uh, you know, as you move forward, you know, they will be a team where you just hear about their players a lot more. I, re- I used to remember back thinking – I remember once I said to Butch Davis, like, whose jersey would you want to buy for this football team? There are no, like, star players. I mean, now, I mean, there are a lot of players that you would want to go out and buy their jersey, and I just think that's a good sign for this team.
0: Yeah, I think the hope for the Browns is that, you know, by by 2030, you're looking back at the past decade, and, you know, you got, you know, Garrett and Baker and Chubb and you know, Landry and, and Beckham, I mean, you have lots of players that can be on a list like that. But from 2010 to 2020 or 2019, I guess – uh, not not that many candidates. So um, I thought it was interesting that uh, Pro Football Focus ranked the top edge duos in the NFL going into the season. Um, they had Eric Armstead and, and Nick Bosa number one, but uh, Garrett and Vernon were number two behind them, which I thought was interesting because there's all the talk about uh, Clowney and, and and Vernon, and I, I don't know I, I was surprised. I mean, I know that there was a lot of expectations going into last year, but for <laughs> When, when Vernon got hurt, it just seems like all those expectations went out the window, and now it's like this: the edge-rushing duo is broke on the Browns, and they need to sign somebody to fix it. I mean, do, do you agree with that, that, that they should be considered the second-best duo?
1: Second-best duo heading into the 2020 season? Right. Is that ranking yeah. it? Um, yeah, I, I could see that. now of course, you know, that could change by, you know, tomorrow if they sign <laughs> Jadavia and Clowney, uh, because I've been saying I think that Olivia, Olivier Vernon would be out the door. I don't think you can afford to pay uh, them both the $15 million or whatever that they would uh, be owed for this year. But uh, sure, if those two guys stay healthy, uh, and it, it, even if you look at the rankings, PFF's rankings, uh, you've got two really, really good, formidable edge rushers in those two guys. And they've got a lot of support in the middle as well. Uh, and I think that really helps them on, on the edges. So I, I would say that's fair.
0: All right. Well, the last one I saw was from Bleacher Report. And maybe this is the, <laughs> the kiss of death. Um, they, they ranked the, the, uh, the supporting cast for every quarterback in the NFL. And Baker Mayfield's group was second overall going into this season. This is the same ranking that had them first last year. Obviously, they didn't live up to those expectations. Um, but second overall in the NFL, that's, that's pretty impressive. And I think that's probably the kind of, of hype and uh, accolades that this, this team wants nothing to do with going into 2020.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. So who was first in that?
0: Who do you think was first?
1: Tampa Bay? No. No.
0: Actually, the Chiefs.
1: The Chiefs. Oh, that's right. The Chiefs would be Patrick
0: Mahomes group with the Chiefs and uh, and then Drew Brees uh, with the Saints was third. And you have to go down quite a ways to get to the the Ravens and the Steelers. Actually, I'm just scrolling through again because they didn't write down where they were, Um, but they're outside the top 10. uh, Both of them. Obviously, the Bengals are way down the list. So some people at least think the Browns have Baker Mayfield has everything he would need to be successful this year. It's just whether or not, whether or not they actually do it. I second overall though, I, I mean, on paper. Yeah. But we probably said the same thing last year, right?
1: Yeah. You know what I I think though? I mean, look, they are more, they have upgraded from last year. They didn't have Austin Hooper last year. So you add that, and now you've got Kareem Hunt for the whole entire season. Uh, You didn't have him for the first eight games. So just add those two guys alone. Those are two significant upgrades to the offense. And then you give him, and these don't even count, but, I mean, you give him these two new tackles uh, to protect him, to give him an opportunity to get the ball to those guys. So I actually think that that's that's a pretty fair ranking
0: lot to live up to too many good players
1: it is <laughs> yeah good problem right. to have
0: <laughs> that's, that's true that's true all right that seems like a good place to to wrap this up um all right that's it for today's orange and brown talk podcast From mary kay i'm scott and we'll talk to you next time